Folks, do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies by Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERSKYTALKERS, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey everyone, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to this week's episode where we are talking all about the Bad Batch episode, Reunion. Yes, this episode aired on June 18th, 2021, and it was directed by Stuart Lee and written by Christian Taylor. And oh my god, this episode was amazing. Caitlin, what did you think of it? It was a very good episode. It was a very good episode. Uh, yeah, no, I, I liked it a lot. My favorite part is that we were super wrong <laughs> all of our guesses. I know. And that's what's so good. I, I love yeah. being proven wrong in a good way. You know what I mean? <laughs> in, in a way that, I mean, I like being proven wrong. My, my and self-esteem then, has specific uh, qualifications yeah. for being proven wrong. <laughs> exactly. But I just, I like being surprised, I guess, is the yeah. is is the main takeaway. And yeah. On TikTok, I had posted a TikTok of like screenshots of people who worked on the shows, like kind of cryptic tweets about on that were posted on Thursday about Friday's episode, and it went super viral. And ev- I swear to you, nobody guessed Cad Bane. No, absolutely nobody. Yes, people went back on Friday being like Cad Bane, Cad Bane, just for the clout. And you know, no one said Cad Bane. I was monitoring it all day. Yep. No one did. There were over 500 comments on this TikTok and <laughs> not a single cat bait among them. <laughs> <laughs> or if we did, we missed it. Uh, no, no, no. There, there was not a Cad Bane. I, someone came yeah. in, a, I think, at like 3.05 in no. the morning, you no. know? No. And you don't count. Yeah. You cheated. Exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, you were trolling Reddit or watching the episode, and I'm just like, no. It's just, yeah. 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 Our, um, our really good friend, Savannah, of the Dorky Diva podcast and online shop, she is the biggest Cad Bane fan the, the biggest. biggest. The, the number one <laughs> Cad Bane fan. Yeah. And she has been gunning for his return to Clone Wars and Bad Batch for years at this point. And I I just I wish I could have been with her to experience Cad Bane's return because it was epic for me as someone who was just like a regular Cad Bane fan. <laughs> Like your average a mild Cad, Cad Bane fan. fan. A mild Cad Bane fan. <laughs> I would say maybe maybe like above mild, like like spicy level one Cad Bane <laughs> fan. You know, like one chili pepper Cad Bane. Well, no, no, no. Like if we're on like a scale of like one to five chili peppers, I'm probably like a four chili pepper. Yeah. And Savannah is like a seven 
chili pepper. <laughs> she's she's like a 10, 10 out of 10. Huge. What, what's yeah. the what's the the scale? The the pepper scale. Why you test me on this? I don't know. Yeah, it's like <laughs> fuller scale or something like yeah, that. It's it something like that. S. I don't remember. Uh but she's off the charts on it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this episode was really good on all fronts, including the surprise of Cad Bane at the end. It's the Scoville scale, by the way. Oh, just yes. want to tell you that. I knew it started with an S. And I think something that was so interesting about Savannah's whole fandom about Cad Bane is that there was this unused Clone Wars arc that included Cad Bane dying. And for a couple of years, every time Savannah would tweet or talk publicly about Cad Bane returning and how he's not dead, it doesn't count, there would be people in her mentions being like, it does count. It counts. And Cad Bane is dead and he's never coming back. And she was like, no, he's coming back. <laughs> and folks, you know what? <laughs> no one's ever really gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, this Cad Bane obviously appears at the end of the episode, but maybe we should do a little bit of a overview of who Cad Bane is in case you're not yeah. as familiar with him. If you, it's been a while since you watched The Clone Wars, haven't watched The Clone Wars, you're just coming into Bad Batch, Cad Bane is a big deal and uh, we love him here on Sky Talkers, obviously. He's a great character, but he is a bounty hunter and he has been a bounty hunter and he first appeared in one of my favorite arcs actually in Clone Wars. We talk about it quite frequently actually in the past year, <laughs> which is the Holocron Heist arc um, in Clone Wars season two. I think it's a two or three episode arc. And uh, Cad Bane is hired by Count Dooku to steal a holocron from the Jedi archives. And this holocron has all of the names of the four sensitive children across the galaxy that have not uh, been taken to the Jedi temple yet. And so Cad Bane steals it for Dooku to give it to Palpatine in order to find all the four sensitive children. And you and I were drawing a lot of connections to this, obviously, with the Mandalorian and Grogu and the likelihood that Grogu was on that holocron, that Cad Bane stole way back in season two of Clone Wars. Um, that episode is also has some really great Anakin Ahsoka moments. That's why I like it a lot. I'm always here for the Anakin Ahsoka relationship. But Cad Bane is the villain in that episode. And uh, he definitely gives everyone a run for their money. And uh, he continues to do so. And he's kind of hired by a lot of different people throughout the Clone Wars, you know, Count Dooku, the Huts, the Techno Union, the whole arc, if you're familiar with Clone Wars, where Obi-Wan becomes Reiko Hardeen. Uh, that involves Cad Bane, too, and a bunch of other uh, bounty hunters throughout the galaxy. And he's he's really like a formidable force. <laughs> and he's um, they said that he is like the top bounty hunter after Jango Fett dies. So he is responsible for a lot in the galaxy and kind of operates beneath the shadows, but also not because everyone hires him. So to see him in this episode was just great. And we got Toto back, too. Yes. Yes. Seth Green's, uh, he voiced that character. Toto is the best droid. And honestly, <laughs> I would have been so happy to see Cad Bane again anyway. But the fact that Toto, like, appeared behind him in the shadow, I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. The package deal. And, you know, he died the last time we he saw did. him, too. So he's back. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. I was, yeah. He, he has this, I think we saw him 
did we see him put back together after that? Yeah. Because that was in Holocron Heist that he, because there's also this whole other part of Holocron Heist where they are, right, they're in, Cad Bane and Toto are infiltrating the Jedi archives. And he sends, Cad Bane sends Toto, I think, to do this, like to plant a bomb in the in the pipes or in the vents of the Jedi Temple, something like that. And it goes horribly wrong. And Toto, he, he has to be put back together, basically. And he did. Thank God. He's so great. <laughs> the fact that Cad Bane totally. is like so intense, right? He's got the hat. He's got the look. He's got the voice, the toothpick. And then his droid is named Toto. I know. <laughs> Just so cute. Oh, gosh. I love Toto. I'm so glad he was I- back too. And I love Cad Bane. Also, I think that in the early days of the Clone Wars, we used to love to hear Dave Filoni talk about Cad Bane because it was funny because Dave Filoni, of course, wrote a character who is this like cool bounty hunter with a cool wide brim cowboy hat that is a cowboy. And it was just like very much yeah. like, I see what you're doing, Dave. Like, nice. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. And, <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, just to give another moment to Cad Bane here up up top his appearance I loved the musical motif that was brought Mm. back for him and I just thought it was so good I know that the Bad Batch and honestly the Mandalorian in season two perhaps has been talked about about like having cameos and things all the time and maybe that's like a negative but I don't find that with the Bad Batch at all, and I definitely don't find it with a character like Cad Bane, who it makes sense that he would be in something like this, given the fact that we've already seen Fennec after Omega. So of all the bounty hunters to draw from, it does make me think that we're going to someday see Boba again, but I I think that it's just interesting that we're diving deeper into like the seedy nature of the bounty hunters being after a kid. It's very Clone Wars. It just makes sense to me. Yeah, I think, you know, in in our greater conversation of cameos and like connectivity, connected characters, right? Of course, that was a huge topic in the Mandalorian season two. But for me, honestly, in Bad Batch, it feels more natural. I don't know. Like, I, I enjoyed most of it in the Mandalorian season two, but it feels not as heavy handed in the Bad Batch, I think. And I don't know if that's because it's like... You know, Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, and and we haven't seen a ton from that time period, whereas with Bad Batch, we're literally right on the heels of all of these characters like Rex and Cad Bane. There really hasn't been that much time to be like, oh, what have they been doing? You know, like Cad Bane is literally just like hunkering down in a penthouse that he stole from someone until all the fires die down and Coruscant, right? And then he's like, all right, time to get back to work. You know, it hasn't really been that long since since we last would have seen him, you know, in a timeline in the actual Star Wars. Of course, it's been a couple years since we've seen him in the real world. But um, yeah, I, I really liked all of the connections. And um, I think I think all of them make sense in The Mandalorian and also here in Bad Batch especially. But Cad Bane makes the most sense, especially because the whole conversation, I mean, we're kind of starting at the end of the episode. But, you know, just to kind of keep our conversation with Cad Bane going, um, looks like he was possibly, probably hired by the Kaminoans. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, We received an email that was like, it's confirmed that he was hired by the Kaminoans. And I think what is actually confirmed in the episode is that the Kaminoans hired bounty hunters, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily Cad Bane. I think that's really interesting. And I don't know if in this television show, in this specific episode, we're supposed to make that connection, and we can, but I just want to push back against that because I don't know if we actually got that confirmed. You know, Cad Bane says that it's confidential. Maybe he would say something different since we had 
learned in a previous scene about the Kaminoans hiring bounty hunters. So I wonder if there's competing sources and that's why the Kaminoans had to hire bounty hunters to begin with. Yeah, I think that I think the episode wants you to think that the Kaminoans are the ones who hired Cad Bane and it could turn out that it's not actually them. But at the same time, I totally thought that the episode prior wanted us to think that it was the Kaminoans who hired Fennec. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's not the Kaminoans. <laughs> or I hope it's not the Kaminoans that hired Fennec. But maybe it was them who hired Fennec. But then Cad Bane is like out of nowhere. Or right. not out of nowhere, but from a, a different place. Um, I'm like, can the Kaminoans afford Cad Bane? Of course. Of you know? Course. I feel like they can. But also, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to make it too complicated, right? That it could be this whole other path that he's coming from which i think would be cool so again um not to like give like a whole clone wars kind of synopsis but um uh a couple of celebrations back they basically aired what are called like the unfinished clone wars arcs and i don't remember exactly how many arcs it was but i think it was three or three to four arcs something like that um but they were in like extremely early stages like Some of them were still just like storyboards. Some of them had some computer animatics taken to them. Some had all voices, no voices, no music. They were just in like all different stages of completion. And at that time, there was no notion that they were ever going to finish the Clone Wars like we eventually got last year. So they aired these at Celebration, which just feels like crazy now, (laughs) right? But one of the arcs (laughs) was Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And I actually don't, I think I may have watched this arc once, but one of those arcs was Cad Bane and Boba Fett and Cad Bane kind of mentoring Boba Fett during this time because he knew Jango or something like that. And those are not really considered canon anymore. But a listener email we got from Kyle, he basically says that perhaps, you know, they're still going to pull on this connection between Cad Bane and Boba now that we have Cad Bane in the Bad Batch. And this is what Kyle said kind of about that theory, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Kyle said, Boba was with Cad Bane in the unused Clone Wars arcs. If they're dusting off the Cad Bane character model from these episodes, it's reasonable to assume they did the same for Boba. He also says, uh, we know Boba and Fennec have a history together from The Mandalorian. Her appearance in the show, along with her calling a mystery character in her episode, could suggest a Fett connection. Uh, If the Kaminoans are the ones after Omega, Boba could be a logical contact as he grew up there. He also talks about the marketing perspective of it with the book of Boba Fett. And this is the part I thought was really interesting about the Cad Bane and Boba Fett connection possible possibility. Uh, Kyle says, from a story perspective, Boba Fett would also make sense. If Omega is some kind of unique Jango Fett clone, of course Boba would be interested. We know how much his father meant to him. He may view Omega as a sister or a close family relation. It makes sense that he would be interested in any surviving connection to his father. Omega would have to choose which family she wants to be a part of. And that's the, uh, that's part of Kyle's theory. And I thought it was just so interesting, the idea that like Cad Bane and Boba Fett kind of have this not familial relationship, but like loyalty to one another. And then further than that, the idea that at the end of this chain is not actually the Kaminoans, but it's Boba Fett looking for another familial connection, which feels very Star Wars to have someone that we view as not necessarily like a bad guy, but he's a bounty hunter, right? He's got that kind of vibe to him, but who's like looking for someone that maybe he considers his sister, which just feels very 
um, soft. <laughs> you know, who's to say if Omega really is a Django clone? I know on our show, we've kind of speculated that she isn't, but there always is the possibility that she kind of is, you know, or, and maybe Boba doesn't know about that at all. He just assumes she's a Django clone and he's like after her because he wants that familial connection and he, you know, gets Cad Bane roped into it too. I don't know. I just, I thought it was a really cool theory and I really liked that idea that Boba could be like, that's my sister. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really good theory. And I think it's true. We talked about this a couple episodes back about like unused character models and the sort of um, the fact that that's kind of a I I used the word cheap last time I talked about this. I'm going to use the word cheap again, but it makes sense. They already have those models, so they're going to use it again. It's faster. It's easier. It's just better to not reinvent the wheel. Right. I think that makes sense for Boba, too. And yes, for the marketing perspective, of course, that makes sense as well. I'm not sure how this is all going to fit in. I mean, I think there's something so crazy about the fact that we actually have no idea what the back half of this season looks like, especially from like a trailer perspective. This is the cutoff of what we've seen in the trailer. So I have no idea where we're going with the story. It's so fun I to know. speculate. And I think it's really interesting that like the Kaminoans refer to her as their contingency plan. I want to circle back to this a little bit because contingency plan... <laughs> Oh, oh boy, the, have the, we been the, through the ringer. The last Jedi novelization, it has been a minute. <laughs> I know, with this phrase. Okay, in the yeah. last Jedi novelization, just to bring you up to speed with some <laughs> Skytalkers history, Snoke refers to Palpatine's contingency plan that is put in place before Re Return of the Jedi that comes back around. And now we know we can kind of fill in a little bit of the holes with The Rise of Skywalker and the completion of the sequel trilogy about the Snokes in the jar, the pickled Snokes, the Exegol, and like the ships and everything. We can fill in all those pieces. Not all of them, but most of them. Okay. And then just to come back around and talk about this as a contingency plan. So I think that we all know that Rex was like Gen 1 in terms of clones, right? And then Clone Force 99, they refer, the Kaminoans refer to Clone Force 99 as like an, the experimental clones in this episode, which I'm sure that the, he, she, they've referred to Clone Force 99 as experimental before, but it just kind of stood out to me in this episode. And I, I don't know. I thought that this idea of creating, you know, quote unquote, the perfect clone as their baseline since the DNA was degrading, according to a couple episodes back about Django, it makes sense that they would need a perfect baseline for the perfect clone for their contingency plan to offer up clones as a business in the galaxy since that's their entire you know, purpose, right? Yeah. Um, a business purpose. So I, I don't know. I think that makes sense. And maybe Boba, I don't know if Boba feels some type of way about being a clone. Might be an interesting thing to explore. Maybe Omega would explore that too. Not sure. Not so sure, but it feels like there's all these different directions that we can go with this um if it's familial if it's not if it's a who am i question if they have more in common than they than they think they do if omega oh my god wait i just had a thought what if omega is in the book of boba fett mm -hmm. yeah interesting yeah. no 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 i could totally be into that <laughs> yeah i could too I, I i honestly hadn't thought about that but Makes sense. I mean, not the first time that they would take a character from an animation and put it directly into live action. I don't know. That would make a lot of sense to me. But we're kind of going on a Boba Fett tangent here. And yeah. I just want to circle it back to Cad Bane and everything and just kind of take a step back and just talk about how excellent this episode was and how much knowledge it dropped. And <laughs> with the <laughs> contingency plan, I feel like I was like, 
whoa, okay. <laughs> For side talkers in particular, you say the word contingency plan, and we are both a little triggered, but also really excited. It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's twofold. I mean, we, at at our live show at uh, Star Wars Celebration 2019. Uh, a listener, Shell, had the last Jedi novelization, and we read the chapter about the contingency plan live. Mm-hmm. That's how important it was to us at the time. <laughs> it's still important to me. It's if I'm still be real. important. No, Such it a is. good chapter. It, it's a really good chapter. It's just like it's so meaty with just like information and lore. I don't know. It's great, <laughs> but yeah, the the contingency plan was basically on Sky Talker's bingo for a while. So. Uh, I feel like it's been a while since we've gotten to talk about the contingency plan. So <laughs> I'm glad it's brought back for all of us. <laughs> yeah. So to bring it back to Cad Bane, though, I think you kind of touched on like there are so many different avenues and pathways that uh, like is Cad Bane with Boba? Is he with the Kaminoans? And real quick before we kind of go back to the actual episode, there is a whole comic series, the Darth Maul comic series that canonically takes place before the Clone Wars. And Cad Bane and Maul know each other. Uh, in that Cad Bane plays a pretty significant role in that Darth Maul series of comics. Anyway, if you guys have been listening to our past episodes, you know I kind of like the idea that if Omega is Force-sensitive, then maybe at the end of this chain, it's actually Darth Maul coming after her and wanting to, you know, find another apprentice. So there is that Cad Bane-Darth Maul connection. It's not completely gone. (laughs) So I just want to uh, include that in there while we're talking about theories and stuff like that. The whole sequence with Cad Bane to now actually talk about the episode itself and not just theories and speculation, that whole sequence was just – it was chilling, honestly. Seeing Cad Bane appear, seeing Toto, the whole standoff between Cad Bane and Hunter, it was incredible. It was – I was so tense in it. And the fact that Cad Bane actually got the upper hand on Hunter and – severely wounded him I thought was such a right move we've talked Mm -hmm. a lot on the show about um, how easily the clones can or can't do something the bad batch specifically I mean and to see someone like Cad Bane who has his reputation you have to keep that reputation intact right he has to get the upper hand on Hunter but when you're watching it you're like no that's our hero he's he's got to win this but then he doesn't and the consequences of it are enormous. They lose Omega. It's it's incredible. And uh, the whole part, you know, Omega doesn't run away when that happens to Hunter. He knows, she knows that Cad Bane is after her. And the fact that she doesn't run away, she, you know, is pleading with Hunter to wake up. Like, she is not going to leave him, which I think speaks volumes about Omega as a person. And even using her bow to try and protect herself. I just thought she's really grown so much, but she's also been so brave like that. I think from the very beginning, she's really shown that kind of confidence and bravery. I don't know. I just, I thought the whole sequence was great of the standoff. And I really, for as bittersweet as it is, obviously I really love that, you know, Cad Bane came out on, on the other side, you know, he, he was the winner, the victor here. He, he shot first. (laughs) He did shoot first, and that entire sequence, I don't know if anyone is familiar with the the feeling of frizzen, which is when you get kind of this whole full body, like, goosebumps moment. That whole sequence to me was one of those Star Wars frizzen moments for me where I was just kind of overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, he's back. Oh my gosh, they're dueling. Oh my gosh, I think Hunter is dead. And then, oh my gosh, they're going to take Omega. And then, obviously, two minutes later, we find out that Hunter isn't dead but I was 
absolutely overwhelmed with emotions. I was I was crying by the end of it, but I was so it was like it really gave me such a great adrenaline to see Cad Bane again and it was just so good and it was really well executed. I thought this whole episode was so beautiful. The lighting schemes in this whole episode were just amazing and just the amount of detail that goes into every single frame. I was just really overwhelmed with each sequence to be honest and I thought the episode, as I feel for every single episode that we've gotten so far, I thought the pacing was really, really good. And even though I knew something was big was going to happen in this episode, I was still taken off guard by the time we got to the ending because I really thought it was just going to be, you know, Crosshair, which we haven't even talked about Crosshair, Crosshair <laughs> coming back into the Bad Batch. But I thought by the end of it, I was like, okay, so the, the main conflict is Crosshair and that's what you know, the creators were referring to in those cryptic tweets. And I was fine with that because I, w- I was like, we were getting crosshair again. And um, by the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, the, number one, the episode must almost be over. I never look at the time. And then <laughs> I was like, number two, uh, oh my God, this is, I can't believe this is happening. I love the show. I love Star Wars. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, uh, bravo to everyone who works on the show. It's just incredible every single week. Yeah, the pacing in this episode particularly was really great. The Bad Batch, I find, has a really great balance of action conversation, action conversation, like these moments where they're stopped and like figuring out what to do mixed with really great action sequences. And, you know, the whole open of this episode of of Wrecker and Omega, you know, learning how to disarm uh, bombs and stuff like that was very cute, (laughs) which sounds like a weird sentence to say cutely disarming bombs no it was Um, it was super cute i for the record that is my favorite cute moment of the episode yeah yeah i i really liked that moment um when when a record was like you didn't think i'd let you practice on real ones right and i was like yeah i did i did yeah i did (laughs) Um, but uh yeah, so so the whole pacing of the episode, right? And a- after that moment, it's kind of this um, maze situation for the whole Bad Batch of how exactly are they going to get out of the Jedi Starfighter? I think that's what they're still in. And how are they going to get out? And how are they going to keep their... Uh, cruiser. Yeah, exactly. Cruiser. The Marauder. Get back to the Marauder. And it's like they try a couple of different avenues and they keep getting pinched off by Crosshair and his plan. And that is really stressful. And of course, they're in the ion chamber and like, holy crap, guys, that whole sequence was really <laughs> tough. And um, but then you get this like really tense, like almost kind of monster horror vibe when Hunter and Omega appear by the Marauder and you just see all those uh, clone stormtroopers that have been taken out. And Omega's just like, what happened here? And everything just kind of slows down to a stop as Cad Bane makes his appearance. And it's perfect because it works so well. It's not like your typical kind of hero shot, not in the sense that Cad Bane is a hero, but, you know, that, like, he's here, you know, like, it's Cad Bane. (laughs) But it makes sense because of the Western vibe of the hat and the pistol or the blaster and that, like, slow reveal. And I don't know, it works so well. And that standoff, right, there's always, I mean, so great seen it a hundred times in westerns and throughout star wars too and 
of course you have the Han Solo Greedo situation, but it just, it works so well. And then to completely change it up after that moment to get the first person point of view with Hunter afterwards is such a shock. Um, it's such a change of perspective in the show that I don't think we've seen before in Bad Batch. Um, I'm pretty sure we haven't, but it just, no. it really worked for how, how shocking um, it was for it to be Cad Bane, for Hunter to have been taken out, one to find out that he's actually alive, but then also that Omega is gone and they just have to get on the get on the marauder and go. And it's like, oh, wow. And I don't know. I, I really loved the, the whole trajectory, the storyline of this episode. It makes sense, obviously, looking back upon it, like what they were trying to set up with a Western type shootout and then like a duel and then seeing the bodies and then understanding who the villain was and everything like that. Like, of course I get that now. But when I first saw that, I was kind of confused about what happened to those stormtroopers. I was like, okay, were these clones that were now like shut off somehow? I don't know. I, I was a little confused right there in that moment. And I think that was purposeful. You were supposed to kind of question everything that was going on. But I had this thought about like, oh, are those clones that were carried over and then now they're like decommissioned like oh my god what is happening and then obviously it wasn't that but um I had a couple thoughts there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember you texting me after that whole sequence being like was anyone else concerned that Hunter was actually dead I was like oh my god I, I legit thought Hunter died you know there's a several moments in Star Wars history where you legit think someone's gonna die and then they don't die and I, I distinctly remember Finn in The Last Jedi yeah. I was like, wow, Finn is really going to die here. I don't want this to happen. Oh, my God. How do I feel about this? Oh, my God. I'm so sad about this. And it was like such a long moment. Really I felt was. that way about Hunter. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching Last Jedi going, if Ryan Johnson takes Finn away from me, I we've been cool up till now. But if you take <laughs> it's over. Finn away from me. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's that was the feeling. Yeah, but it's okay. Hunter Hunter is okay. He's not emotionally yeah. okay cuz he's he's going to be pretty wrecked next week. Uh, yeah. when they... I really liked that point of view situation that they did through his visor. I thought that was so great. I really liked yeah. that ending. Yeah, I did too. I was really surprised by it and it is it's meant to make you feel disoriented as the audience. That like mm -hmm. kind of jarring switch of perspective and it totally worked for me. Yeah. It reminded me of that one episode. I think it's Callus's point of view. And mm -hmm. you see like the first ever like Star Wars bathroom in Rebels. <laughs> Do you remember that episode? <laughs> the refresher. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. So it just reminded me of that sequencing and I'm sure they drew upon that a little bit. One thing I wanted to just kind of briefly touch on was Omega and the Bad Batch and how briefly as if the whole show isn't about them. Um, <laughs> but just like a little, <laughs> sort of briefly talk about Omega here. <laughs> <laughs> but how in this episode we really see Omega taking on a much more active role in the crew and them more actively including her in stuff, especially we already talked about the opening with uh, Omega and Wrecker and him teaching her how to disarm up the bomb, the charges. And, you know, we did see this a couple episodes back too with Echo teaching her how to use her bow and everything. But in this episode in particular, I noticed them including her a lot more in their conversations. Um, it seemed like in the first part of the series, they were kind of withholding information from her or telling her, you know, stay here, don't move. Whereas now she's doing a lot more, right? So even when they're leaving um, in the first part of the episode, when Echo 
says, oh, we've got people watching us. And Wrecker says, I see them. And Omega's like, how many? And they're like, oh, here's the here's the DL. And Omega is the one who relays the information back to Hunter and Tech and all of them about what's going on. And even at the end of the episode in the ion chamber, Hunter has Omega take uh, some of the charges up around the ion cannon. And personally, my favorite soft moment of the episode was Omega and Tech in this episode. I loved how Tech was like, Omega, come up and help me like a dad. <laughs> he, he like has her like download information from the Jedi Starfighter yeah. or something. And that whole conversation where she's asking what the war was like and Tech is like, well, it was a, it was a battle. She goes, but what was it like? Because I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I really liked that moment and I'm I'm enjoying the the tech and omega moments. But uh, anyway, I I thought this episode emphasized to me Omega having a much more active role in the actual missions for the Bad Batch, which I thought was cool. I think it makes sense story-wise and emotional-wise, just because they take Omega away in this episode. So you get a clearer picture of that she's actually part of the crew, that she has responsibilities, that they're teaching her how to do things, that she has a firm place in it, not just as a newbie, but as an actual member. Mm -hmm. And they set that up in the beginning of the episode then, and and honestly throughout their past episodes too, but specifically in the beginning of this episode, then to sort of take that away to make it more tragic, Star Wars is tragedy, that's just the way it works. And I think it just makes sense in terms of a story perspective. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's talk about Crosshair because we need to talk about Crosshair. So we we spent like half this episode already talking about Cad Bane, but honestly, this is the first time we've seen Crosshair in a long time. I thought it was pretty jarring. Like, I think that we all knew that Crosshair was, you know, his programming dialed all the way up um, to like 150%. And I think we know that he is carrying out evil deeds from the Empire, but... I guess it was both jarring and surprising, but also not surprising at all to see this is how Crosshair was. I feel like even when Crosshair was referring to the Bad Batch, when he referred to them as Clone Force 99, there was this huge distance between that speech. Uh, I felt like there's just no familiarity there. It felt like almost robotic to me. And I don't know what to do with that information. Caitlin, where do you think Crosshair's character is heading? I, you know, I really don't know, actually. I I thought I knew where this season was headed, and I do not <laughs> at all. But I think an important conversation with Crosshair is, of course, you know, something we talk about with all of our bad guys is the, the idea of redemption and the theme mm-hmm. of redemption and mm-hmm. what redemption is exactly, how it's applied to characters, who is worthy of redemption and who is not. You know, this is a topic that we talked a ton about with, you know, Kylo Ren and... Uh, even from before our Raylo days, we were redemptionists, <laughs> and that's always been uh, a part of Sky Talkers. But uh, redemption one, Crosshair is a little bit of a different character than Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, in that he is being mind controlled, basically. And as you, I had actually forgotten this, but you reminded me just now that they like really mind controlled him. They turned his ship up as high as it would go in order to be able to, I guess, manipulate his line of thinking and what he views his, like, moral compass, I, I guess. 
Crosshair doesn't really have free will in the same way that other characters do. And so I think when we start talking about like, where is Crosshair ending up? Will he be quote unquote redeemed? I don't know if that's like the best way to talk about him at this juncture for his character, because he does have a chip that is controlling his pattern of thought in his head. Now, if we eventually, if the Bad Batch is able to get that chip out and Crosshair is still talking about good soldiers follow orders and that the bad batch are in the wrong then we start having a different conversation and then we i think we can really start talking about the idea of redemption for a character like crosshair but um at that point i think to say that any character is too far gone is kind of the antithesis of what redemption is um redemption is not that you know once you cross level five In storytelling, once you cross level five, you can no longer be redeemed. That's not what redemption is. And I don't think, you know, it's not a one-to-one in in stories, in fictional stories, and especially something as grandiose as Star Wars. Um, So right now, I think that anything is on the table for Crosshair. I think they... I. What I do think will happen is I think the Bad Batch will subdue Crosshair long enough to get his chip out. I think that Crosshair will still make the decision to side with the Empire okay. after that um, because that's what we see in the beginning of the series before the chip, like the chip is only at 10% or whatever mm-hmm. at the very beginning of the series. And he's still making those calls to side with the Empire or with, you know, the the clones at that point. And so I think that is kind of inherently a part of him. And I think he'll still make that decision after the chip is out. So I don't know if I think he will be redeemed, but I, after the chip is out, but I think he always could be redeemed, if that makes sense, because uh, redemption is always on the table, I think, for characters. All you have to do is change the story a little bit, begin to build sympathy for a character, talk about their relationships, their connections to other people throughout the story, and that seed of doubt can be planted in them at any time. So right now, I don't know if I think he will eventually be redeemed, but I always think he can be. Yeah, totally. I think it's actually a, a really interesting story to remove the chip and then him choose because yeah. then it, it puts the, it, you know, the, if the central theme of this entire show is free will, then yes, it completely underscores that Crosshair chose and made his own choice. Yeah. Um, but again, just to go by the rules of Star Wars, anyone can make several different choices to come back to where they started or choose to be on the good side once again. And you're so right in that even the terminology of talking about redemption or can crosshair be redeemed is almost trite at this point. Just honestly, in my opinion, I'm like, I don't know if we don't, I don't think I have the vocabulary to not say redeemed (laughs) and like use those barometers of like this discussion. But I, I, I feel like it's, it's a weird term to apply to Crosshair, even though, because just like in comparison to like Anakin and Kylo Ren, because yeah. those, it feels very clear that you talk about redemption when you talk about those characters. But with Crosshair, it's like we can revisit the idea of redemption if he chooses to stay with the Empire. But I think that it's very clear that Omega, she's our extremely sympathetic character, right? And she's our protagonist that is growing and changing, but she remains pretty much like, remember what we talked about, Crosshair? Like you, yeah. you, you can, you don't have to do this. You're being controlled. And I, I feel like Omega doesn't understand how um, volatile it actually is. And I think that she says those things because as an audience, we're like, whoa, wow, it really is dialed up to 150. But imagine if it wasn't, it would be so interesting if they were like, actually his chip is removed. I think it would be really crazy. But regardless, 
Omega does see the good within Crosshair and isn't, as a child, she can even see the sort of manipulation that is happening behind the scenes. So I think it's very necessary that we keep our eye on this and definitely don't give up hope for Crosshair. Yeah, I think Crosshair is such, like you said, he's such an interesting character in this conversation of quote unquote bad characters changing their ways because he's a clone that's only grown up in war, grown up, created for war, literally created for for violence. Um, He had some modicum of free will compared to other clones. And even with that modicum of free will, he was still willing to kill Kanan at the beginning of the series. Um, But then that little bit of free will he had, as far as we know right now, has been completely taken away. And so what happens when he is given the choice? And part of Star Wars, right, that we always talk about is personal choice. And you can choose one path. And once once all of our Bad Batch figure out their path, their purpose, maybe not all of them are going to choose a purpose for good. And maybe that is Crosshair, right? But the important part is, is that he has that personal choice, that he is at least freed from the chip, um, from the Kaminoans. And then, again, that he you can always make another choice and that's what you and I have always taken out of Star Wars and Mm -hmm. but it was so alarming to see him say aim for the kid (laughs) it was and and that's that's part of it of like emphasizing that yeah that chip is turned up to 100 right now assuming he still has it which I think he does that chip is turned up to 100 right now and then even when they're in the ion chamber and omega says you know crosshair really wouldn't do this to us would he and then the the engine turns on (laughs) and you're like oh Oh no! <laughs> the timing of it all. <laughs> the t- yeah, they they really dull knife to the heart with that one. Um, but yeah, I think they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is important to note that like Omega, the person who is probably like she does, she still has sympathy for Crosshair, and she has this understanding of what is being done to him and I think would be the first to offer forgiveness or just understanding because again it's like can you be forgiven for something do you need to be forgiven for something you didn't have control over and we see that played out with Wrecker and Omega a couple episodes back when Wrecker got his chip out and he is so apologetic to Omega about what he did and oh my god that beautiful scene (laughs) where (laughs) Omega touches his face and is like it's okay it wasn't you and I think the same would be given to Crosshair um, because, right, that that really kind of creepy, ominous, but foreshadowing scene at the beginning where she says, I know what you're going to do. Please don't do it to Crosshair. And, you know, I, I, I really don't know what Crosshair's path is right now, but I know that his path can always change. It's going to pull at our heartstrings constantly. I just know it. Yeah. Also... You know, Cad Bane has a toothpick. Crosshair has a toothpick. When are these two going to meet? Toothpick battle. <laughs> it feels like we need that. A shootout between Crosshair and Cad Bane would be epic. And then they share their stockpile of toothpicks at the end. <laughs> they become friends. <laughs> <laughs> and Star Wars is over. <laughs> and, the, and the war is this. This chapter of the Star War is concluded with Crosshair and Cad Bane on a on a front porch somewhere on, along a lake with toothpicks. Literally, and and so many toothpicks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some um, like a like a drink, like a beer. <laughs> 
I can't think of what beer is in Star Wars, but <laughs> even thinking about now is is Crosshair going to be after Crosshair is after the Bad Batch still, right? It's not he's not really after Omega. So now now everyone has shifted their trajectory, right? Like before everyone was kind of after the Bad Batch and Omega. But now the Bad Batch is after Omega and Crosshair is after the Bad Batch and it's just like a straight line. And Fennec is after Omega, but she might not know that Cad Bane has her now. So she's after the Bad Batch too. And it's just all these arrows basically in my head of like who's after who. (laughs) (laughs) It'll all converge in some epic finale. It will. On Kamino, I still think we're going to, I still think season finale is heading us towards Kamino. Could be very wrong, but that's what I think. I think that's a good thought process i don't know if i'd put money on it i think it's a good guess but i don't know if i'm gonna be confident in that i feel like you should put money on that but i'm just gonna stay over here and say no (laughs) well where's your money going uh a planet we haven't seen before oh okay it's okay i have ten dollars on camino you have ten dollars on a question mark yes exactly got it Okay, just to circle back to personal choice, I think that it was said in this episode that the Bad Batch needs to pay off their debt to Sid. And we learned in the last episode that, yes, they have a lot of debt to pay off of, including that Mantel mix popcorn situation. And I think it was interesting because there was a miniature riff happening between Hunter and Echo about the idea of what path they're on that I think echoes what... Oh my God, echoes. Echoes what... (laughs) we as an audience are thinking about the path that the Bad Batch are, are on and what their choices are even for, right? Like, what are they doing? Why are they here? When Rex came in, he offered a different path for them that is more on helping others and helping clones. And here they are just doing odd jobs for Sid to pay off their debt. And I think of all of the Bad Batch crew, Echo seems to be the one that is the most kind of untrusting towards this entire trajectory. And I thought it was interesting. I feel like of all of the Bad Batch crew, if I could guess which one was going to leave, if they if any of them were going to leave the Bad Batch crew. I don't I'm not saying I don't think I don't think this is going to happen. But I would think that it would probably going to be Echo because I think that there is still, I've talked about this before, some unresolved trauma there that he hasn't worked through and that I feel like he might feel perhaps the most on the outs. Even though Omega is the newest newcomer, it feels like Echo might actually have some more questions about what he's doing, why they're doing it, especially when Rex entered the picture last episode and had a whole other life. And I wonder if Echo is ever like, I could have done that instead of this or something like that um i don't know what do you think about all that caitlin i thought it was a great exchange you know learning that hunter is trying to pay off their debt to sid and and echo goes well we wouldn't even have that debt if we went with rex right and they have this really interesting moment where echo where the where he's like you know rex is on a different path than us we're not soldiers and echo i think says you know we we've always been soldiers like we're still soldiers why aren't we like joining the cause, you know, and in some ways that almost feels like an easy out of this is all I've known. This is what I should continue to do with Rex. But I think we know that Rex ends up on a different path somewhere along the line, just from what we see in Rebels. And I think you're right that of all of them, Echo would be the one to follow Rex. But at the same time, Echo made a choice not too long ago to stay with Hunter and I, in a way, I almost think that that like hierarchy of following 
the leader that he has right now, be it Hunter or Rex, is still kind of ingrained in him. And maybe part of Echo dealing with his trauma is making his own choice, right? And maybe that choice is eventually going after Rex of leaving the Bad Batch just like he left Rex. But I don't even think I would really say that Echo left Rex. He was taken from from that life. And when he was rescued, he went down this path. So I, I don't really think that I would describe Echo as leaving you know, Rex and the 501st and things like that. Whereas now if he, I would probably describe him as leaving the Bad Batch if he eventually went with Rex. But I think it would be really interesting. And we've said this kind of throughout the whole series to maybe see the Bad Batch all go in different directions of what their ultimate purpose is as individuals. But Mm. there's, but they'll always have that connection to each other, right? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I just, a couple of, Maybe like 10 minutes ago, we said we really don't know where this series is going. And it's exciting to not really have a clear idea about what happens to this specific set of characters. And I really can't wait to find out because there's just so many different things to be picked at and explored here with um, all these big concepts that we talk about, like free will and choice and um, purpose and belonging and family. (laughs) It's just like, oh, my God, so many things. It's so it's so great. It really got me thinking about just now the end of Rebels and the whole epilogue of Rebels. They're all, they were all on different paths Mm -hmm. and they were all doing different things. But Sabine's whole monologue over that makes it very clear that they are all still a unit, even though Mm -hmm. they are separated. And I can really easily see them doing something similar for the Bad Batch, honestly. Okay. Imagine if. So in a in a world where the Bad Batch is like four seasons, mm-hmm. imagine there's a season where the Bad Batch does split up and then they're doing these different things, maybe Hunter with Omega and the rest separate or something like that. I don't mm. know. I can't even picture that now that I'm saying that. But imagine if they were separated and then they would have to find their way back together at the end in another quasi found family story. Because it's interesting because we started this, uh, this series, right, with these people are bound for life and we're going to follow this crew throughout this entire show. But what happens when they're kind of blown apart? What happens? How do we get back to that unit that we saw in the beginning that was so forged together? Um, I don't know. Just like an interesting concept to consider. But can it be the same as it was? Like it can never be the same as when the Clone Wars is actually happening. Right. And so – yeah, the, there's always going to be that nostalgia for that time period, I think. And I think that's even carried throughout the series in a, in a meta way, to, right? Like yeah. from an audience perspective too. But I, there's also like, okay, but what's next and how can we find a greater sense of purpose through what's next, you know? Yeah, yeah. and But they, they're all discovering that perhaps they have different ideas of what that is. Yeah. And, and that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of the point of the show, too. I, I hope, anyway, as we continue down this path. Um, because, yeah, it's like like Hunter said, things were a lot clearer when we were just soldiers. Mm-hmm. And now they're not. And Echo thinks they should continue to be just soldiers. And it doesn't really feel like Hunter has that perspective right now. And it's still unclear about Tech and Wrecker. But um, it doesn't really feel like that is his goal right now. And will will these paths continue to diverge? I think they will. And I hope they will, too, because, again, you know, finding your purpose, that 
it's not going to be the same with everyone. And I think part of the clone's story is so much their individuality. And I think, I think finding the individuality and not just a, a name, right? And and what the clones were kind of the only individual individuality they had during the Clone Wars for the regs, at least, was like hairstyles and names. And of course, they all had different personalities. Like, I don't mean that, but um, the only way that they could kind of express themselves was through like these small moments, right? But being able to go down a completely new path of staying with the war effort or, you know, joining cut and having being like a single dad, like Hunter, like it just kind of feels unimaginable for them right now. And I hope that the series makes those kinds of, I don't even want to call them dreams, but just futures a reality for them if they want it, even if that means not being together. Totally. Well, I think that's going to wrap up a very intense, very emotional episode all about uh, reunion uh, for the Bad Batch. And we are careening our way into the back half of the season. (laughs) Um, Was there anything else you wanted to say about this episode, Charlotte? No, I don't think so. I think it was one of my favorite, if not my favorite. Like I keep saying that this series kind of (laughs) keeps topping itself each episode for me. And it's absolutely true. I every episode is my favorite so yeah yeah, there's that yeah this episode has definitely skyrocketed to i think might be number one might be (laughs) number number one one. right now it's probably number one right now anyway i'm really excited to get to the end of the season and see what your number one is Um, totally me too I feel like we're going to have to wait two or three weeks afterwards um because i feel like immediately we'll be like the finale (laughs) Exactly. I know it's going to be like that. I'm going to be like, oh my God, the most epic finale. And then, ever. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So we'll we'll check back in a couple weeks after the finale to see where, how everything shook out at the end of the day. So before we go into all of our outro, you know, stuff with all of our social media and handles, um, we did just want to take a brief second to talk about um, Skytalker's very first sponsorship, which is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, through super yaki which it's you probably you've definitely heard uh the ad that we've read the past couple weeks at the top end of the show and the other day charlotte and i realized that we hadn't actually talked about it on the show (laughs) which feels like a rookie mistake but we are rookies when it comes to sponsorship um but we have partnered with Super Yaki for um, the next couple of months as a sponsor of the show. And we could not be more excited because Charlotte and I love Super Yaki. Oh, my God. So much. <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Super Yaki shirt right now. I have the, the shirt that I bought at the beginning of the pandemic. That's the mm. Movies at Home shirt with a little bunny on it. I love it. Um, <sighs> yeah. I have so many Super Yaki things. That's why it really did feel like the most perfect partnership and yeah honestly i know caitlin was about to say this but i'll just say it like we're so grateful for number one the sponsorship number two the reception that we've gotten from the sponsorship you guys are just the best who continuously support us it's just amazing so thank yeah. you so much um for responding well to that i know it's different <laughs> and a change and yeah so thank you yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. We, um, It's something we've wanted to try on the show. Honestly, we've been doing this for five years and it's um, something we haven't really done before yet. So we wanted to give it a try, but um, we wanted to make sure that it was uh, whoever the sponsor was, that it was a company, a brand that we actually use and love. And uh, Super Yaki is honestly the best... <laughs> 
example of it's that. The, the freaking best. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When when it all got set up, we were like, "Wow, how did how did we get this lucky?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I actually I had my super yucky water bottle at work today. Um, it was the, the best. Yeah, the one with all of the Star Wars characters on it. Oh my god, I love it. Um, but yeah, so we are very excited to have the sponsorship with Super Yaki. Um, as we mentioned in the ad that you'll be hearing, um, you can get 10% off your order with our code, which I love our code. <laughs> it's Super Sky Talkers, <laughs> all caps, and you'll get 10% off your order. And if you've never ordered from Super Yaki before, they do a lot of different drops throughout the year for different fandoms. Um, they are huge um, Star Wars fans, uh, lots of great Star Wars merch that they come out with. So and a lot of other really great franchises and movies and and even like deep cuts and stuff like that you can find on Super Yaki. Uh, so you could definitely check them out if you haven't before. Charlotte and I have ordered from them many, many times over the past couple years and we cannot recommend them enough. So we are very happy that they were the first sponsor here on Sky Talkers and we hope you give them a try if you haven't already or order more because you can never have too much Super Yaki. <laughs> but uh, I think that is going to finally wrap up the show once and for all today. I hope you guys enjoyed enjoyed it um how surprised were you that it was cad bane please let us know you can find us on twitter at skytalkers pod or our personal handles mine is at caitlin plusher and charlotte's is at clarity we also have our website skytalkers.com instagram facebook tiktok and if you haven't left us a review yet on itunes you can head on over to itunes and leave us a review it helps other people find our show And if you're interested in more ways to support us, you can also head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there and also find out how to get involved in our amazing Discord community. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Mercedes, Maggie, Kevin, Saber Bouquet, Allison, Dan, Nathan, Amy, Christopher, Kelly, Claxton26, Brian, Chris, Colton, Christina, and Rachel. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And as always, until next time. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.